Hey, Restored Temecula, this is Herrick. It's so good to be with you uh, this morning. I want to uh, just start off by just letting you guys know how much I miss being with you, how much I miss seeing your faces on, uh, on Sunday morning, and uh, can't wait until we're finally able to be back together again as a church community. We are in the uh, fourth, this is the fourth message in a series that we're calling The End, uh, what the Bible says about the last days. And uh, the first couple messages, if you haven't checked them out, or the one from last week, I would highly encourage you to do that. These messages sort of build on one another. But Tom started the series by looking at the different views of the end times that Christians hold. And then last week, I did a message on living faithfully in the end times. And so this morning, I'm going to basically do part two of that message of living faithfully in the end times. And so uh, as I was thinking about this message, I was kind of chewing on how to set it up. And I thought about The Incredibles. If you have never watched it, it's a Pixar, it's a couple of Pixar movies, actually. And um, it's about, it's a great story. I think it might be my favorite Pixar movie, even more than Toy Story and some of the other ones. Uh, it's, it's a story about a family. And this isn't any, it is an ordinary family, but it's an ordinary family that's equipped to do extraordinary things. So the dad has kind of superhuman strength. Uh, the mom is Elastigirl, like she could basically turn into anything. She could turn into a balloon uh, and, and basically fall gently uh, from an airplane, which happens in one of the movies. Uh, one of the daughters basically can uh, become invisible. The son uh, has like superhuman speed, superhuman speed. She's really fast, faster than anybody. And then the baby turns out they thought that he didn't have any powers. He has basically all of them and more. And so it's this family and, and they live uh, what look like ordinary, normal lives. Uh, but then when kind of evil starts to close in on their city, uh, they rise to the occasion and they do extraordinary things and they're gifted for, uh, for that. And it got me thinking about the church. The church is a family and the church oftentimes looks like a very ordinary family. And the reality is, as we're going to see in this text uh, today that we're going to read out of First Peter, we're going to be using also a variety of texts out of the New Testament. The church is an ordinary family. However, we are equipped and we are gifted to do extraordinary things. And so I just want to unpack that with you this morning. And again, we're, do, we're in a series on the end times. And this is very important, I think, that we remember why we're talking about this and why Peter might be talking about this. As we see the end approaching, there's a certain kind of life that we're called to live. There's a certain end times ethic, if you will, that Peter is describing to these saints in the first century, and that he's also essentially instructing and equipping us about how to live in the end times. So let's go ahead and dive in. I'm going to pray, and then, uh, and then we'll get into this. Uh, Father, thank you for this um, opportunity to open your word. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for the, uh, the reminder that we're going to get in this text about who we really are, about how you have prepared us and equipped us to live in these last days. Would you help give us a clarity about what it looks like to live lives worthy of the calling that we've received in the gospel of your son, Jesus? Would you inspire us? Would you inform us? Would you impact our hearts this morning and, uh, and send us into uh, our week uh, different in light of the words that we're going to read today from the Apostle Peter? 
and other uh, apostles. We love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the text for today is out of 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to read verses 7 to 11 and then kind of zoom in on, uh, on a couple of the verses. So quick context. If you didn't, weren't, uh, haven't been able to listen to the message from last week, 1 Peter, 4, 1 Peter, the book itself, is written to a church that is going through hard times. The church is under pressure. It's a church under fire, essentially. And so Peter is instructing and equipping this church that's experiencing difficulties from the society that's around it. Experiencing difficulty from uh, pressure that they feel from the government, they feel from other people. And he's teaching them and instructing them to be, in a sense, a holy people set apart for God in the world, in the city, in the place that they were in, and live lives that are prepared for the end, for what is to come, Christ's return. So let's pick it up. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says this. We'll read verses 7 to 11. It says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of God's varied grace. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So this week we're, we're going to discuss the gifts. Last week we talked about love and hospitality. This week we're going to talk about how we use our gifts and how we steward them faithfully in these last days as a community, as we see Christ's Christ return coming in a way that makes him look beautiful to the world, in a way that makes much of Jesus, in a way that's filled with gratitude and joy for all that he's done for us. So here we go. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11a. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's word. So we're going to start with the speaking gifts, and then we'll do the serving gifts after. So a few points of clarification are in order, though, before we really dive in. This is important. If you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are, if you are following Jesus, if you are learning to enjoy him obey him and operate like him in every area of life, then you have a gift from Jesus. I was thinking about this, and when we celebrate a child's birthday, something we, we, there's something that we always have to do. All of his or her friends that come, they leave with a gift bag, so we don't, because we don't want them to feel left out. For the family of God, it's as though there was a divine party to celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension to the right hand of God. We all got gifts. Everybody. You got a gift. I got a gift. We got gifts. All are gifted. And what are we gifted for? Well, I think as I was chewing on this, what came to mind was that God runs a family business. God runs a family business, and we are a part of it. We're sent into the world to announce the good news about Jesus and proclaim it and demonstrate who Jesus is and what he has done his loving rule and reign. And we want to show the world it's good to be under the king. So we're gifted for that. That's our family business. God gives us tools for the trade. 
He gives us tools or tools of the trade. So as an example, let's say the family business that God ran was a, we, was a business where we made beautiful pieces of furniture. So the Father's gifts in that sense might be uh, a power jointer, a thickness planer, different types of saws, a circular saw, a hand saw, a jigsaw, a power drill, a rotary tool, chisels, wood mallets, workbench, drill presses, etc. I've never actually used anything I just talked about, but I looked it up, so I'm pretty sure this is what you would need in this sort of family business. With that said, spiritual gifts are the tools of the trade of our family business to help people know, trust, obey, enjoy, and operate like Jesus. Think about it. Disciples, you, me, anyone and everyone who wants to come under the loving, forgiving rule and reign of Jesus needs many things in order to do that faithfully and fruitfully. We need to be immersed in the story of God. We need to understand what he has done, who he is, who we are in light of what he's done, and how we're to live our life in the whole totality of the story. We need to understand that. We need to be immersed in that. The story of God's rescue of humanity. We need hearts that are convinced that God loves us and has a purpose for us. We also need hands that are equipped, hands that know how to actually do the stuff, do the stuff of disciples, practically love, practically serve, practically share the gospel. We need all of these things. And God gives us gifts so that we can actually engage in that sort of work, so that we can encourage and strengthen and equip one another to do the work as we see evil closing in in these last days, as we see things uh, feel like they get worse all the time, we are called to rise to the occasion as the church. And we need these gifts. We look ordinary. We're an ordinary looking family. Actually, my wife uh, today drew this of our family. This is uh, me, that's her, that's my three kids. And it's just this ordinary family. I love this. I'm wearing Burks in that. I'm wearing Burks right now. And uh, she drew me with Burks in the picture. Ordinary family. But we, as, the, as part of the family of God, we're called to do extraordinary things. And we need to know what these things are. We need to know how to use the gifts in order to do them. And so that's why the gifts matter. Where this is a part of the family business. And these spiritual gifts are entrusted to us. So we shouldn't sit on them. We shouldn't hide them. With, if you watch The Incredibles, there's this pull to kind of like, they have to hide their gifts. Society's not ready for this. They have to go, kind of go underground as supers. And here's the, here's the reality. Uh, we should not be underground as, as disciples of Jesus who are gifted and who are equipped to do extraordinary things. We should use them. As we have opportunity, as stewards, we should use the gifts that we have. So to summarize, God entrusts us with gifts to use for the family business, to see men and women and children, all people come into the loving rule and reign of Jesus, receive forgiveness and find new life in him. That's how it works. That's our work. So the two main ways that this happens is we're given speaking gifts or serving gifts. And it can be and. We certainly have people who have both types of gifts at the same time or in different seasons in life. God gives these gifts as he pleases, according to the Apostle Paul. So, speaking gifts. And if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. What does this mean? So the context that, Pete, that Peter's speaking in uh, here suggests that he's talking about He's talking to house churches. So I think it's the gathering of the house churches that he is addressing 
He's talking about using the speaking gifts and the serving gifts. So this might be closest for our, for us as, as 21st century disciples in Temecula, restore Temecula. The closest context here is our gospel communities, which are small communities that are learning how to live life uh, on the foundation of God's grace and goodness towards us in Christ. So our GCs. Here's an explanation that I found helpful about these speaking gifts I want to share with you before I start getting practical about what these gifts are and what they look like. So the gift of speaking is not simply general conversation, but corporate teaching and preaching to the congregation. However, this is not, this is not strict, restricted to that only. It can include more charismatic gifts like prophecy, wisdom, and tongues. The main thing is that in any of these gifts of speech, we must exercise them under the empowering presence of God. If God grants us the gift, we must speak as though God himself were speaking through us. Uh, verse Chapter 4, verse 11 says literally that as the oracles of God. This is the language of prophecy dealing with revelation from God. And here it means that God is behind what is taught with the Spirit guiding and using everything said. We do not speak as it were off the top of our heads, but center on God's word and are led by his Spirit. So when we speak, we aren't flippant. Uh, we have a sense of seriousness about the task at hand. And I should just mention, obviously, that uh, with anything that we say, any sort of a prophecy, which I'll define later, we're always sharing these things humbly because we could get it wrong. But nevertheless, we want to take these things seriously. We want to take the opportunity to speak seriously as though God himself were commissioning us to speak. So quickly... Sort of quickly. We're going to talk about, we're going to look at five speaking gifts, define them briefly, and then I want to share some stories about what these look like to hopefully give you a sense of, uh, kind, of, ins of in kind of inspire uh, us to, to see these gifts are used practically, they are powerful, and they are personally given to us for the use and benefit of other people. So quickly, these five speaking gifts, and there's more, by the way. This is a sampler platter. There's way more than just these five. In fact, uh, there's a few different lists in the, in the New Testament that have the gifts. There is Romans 12 has a gifts list. There is 1 Corinthians 12 has a list. 1 Peter 4 has a list. And the lists are all a little bit different, which suggests that they're not comprehensive. So that there are going to be more gifts than the ones that I even mentioned here today or that are listed in the New Testament. First one I want to talk about, teaching, teaching. Teachers instruct and inform others about what the scriptures say and then apply them to life. I want to share a story with you that I've recently read that I thought was profound. Someone using their speaking gift, their teaching gift, uh, in a beautiful way to build the people up. So some of you may be familiar with Corey Ten Boom. If you are not familiar with her, she was a uh, she was part of a family in, during World War II of disciples, of, of followers of Jesus, of Christians. And she and her family obviously lived in a very difficult moment in the history of our world. And um, they actually uh, provided hiding places for persecuted Jews in their area during World War II. And that resulted in that family being sent to con con concentration camps. So they experienced untold and unspeakable not, not untold, they've written, she wrote books and stuff, unspeakable suffering on account of loving people for the sake of Jesus. Profound woman, remarkable woman. So uh, after the war and, and after she was released, uh, she became a missionary. So she traveled the world uh, teaching people about Jesus. 
And she tells a story, and she wrote a, she's written some books, and one of the books, uh, I, I had it, she got it from the library right before coronavirus shut down, so I've had this book for months uh, sitting on my shelf. I recently picked it up, and uh, she tells a story where she was in Africa, and she was uh, in a prison that was actually housing essentially what, were, what would be the equivalent of our death row inmates. And this was in Africa. And so uh, she was given permission to go talk to one of the inmates, and she, you know, this man looked uh, down, depressed. Uh, his, his hour was coming. He was, he was going to be executed soon. And she felt the weight of that when she showed up to the prison cell, and, and basically she prayed, Lord, give me some light to pass on to this man who sits in such darkness. And so she took a minute, and she was like, how do I start this conversation? What do I do? What do I say? She put her trust in Jesus, and then she just asked a question. She said, do you know about Jesus? Do you know about Jesus? Very basic question. Maybe not what you would have led off with. Probably not what I would have led off with, but that's what she led off with. And as it turns out, this man turns to her and says, yes, I have a Bible at home. I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and for the sins of the world. Many years ago, I accepted him as my savior, and I followed him for some time until political affairs absorbed all my time. Now I wish I could start again and live a surrendered life, but it's too late. This week I die. And so Corey Ten Boom, she turns to the man and says, brother, it's not too late. Do you know the ones who are responsible for your death sentence? And this was a political prisoner, and I forgot to add that. This was a, a man who was put in like a political prison. And, and he said, I could give you the entire list of people who put me here. And he said that gritting his teeth. He said, I know their names and I hate them. And so she opens her Bible and she reads, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive yours. She closed the Bible and she looks at the man and she says, do you want your father to forgive you before you die? And he said, of course. I want that more than anything else in the world, but I cannot forgive. I'm young, I'm strong, I'm healthy. I have a wife, I have children. They wronged me, and now this week they are taking my life. How can I forgive that? And so Corey Ten Boom, as she's recounting the story, she's filled with compassion for the man, but she was also stern with him because she realized that so much depended on this interaction. This man was about to be executed. She told him a story about how she was in a church once, Corey Ten Boom was in a church once in Berlin, and believe it or not, one of the, the prison guards from the concentration camp came up to her and said, will you forgive me? And keep in mind, Corey Ten Boom, I didn't have mentioned this, but Corey Ten Boom's sister died in the concentration camp, suffered terribly at the hands of this man. His sister died, essentially, her sister died under this man, and he came up and said, will you forgive me? And in that moment, she felt, she, she recounts, she felt bitterness swell up in her heart as she remembered her sister suffering before she died in that camp. But Corey remembered that unforgiveness is not the way of Jesus. So she thanked God for Romans 5.5, which says, the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And she thanked him that his love in her could do more than she could ever do herself. Actually, she says, that thank you that your love in me could do what I couldn't do, which is to forgive this man, her enemy. And Corey says that a great amount of love poured through me. And I said, brother, give me your hand. So she extends her hand out 
to this German, uh, to her, essentially, the, yeah, her, the officer who, who was a part of killing her sister and abusing her. And she said, brother, give me your hand. I forgive all. And so she now turns and, and talks to the man who is about to be executed and said, I couldn't do it. I was not able. Jesus in me was able to do it. You see, you never touch so much the ocean of God's love as when you love your enemies. She continued to teach him about Jesus. Then she prayed with him and then she left. As it turns out, this man wrote his, his wife a letter telling her not to hate the people who threw him in prison and eventually would cost him his life. He says, love them, forgive them. I can't, you can't, but Jesus in us can do it. Now, I loved this story when I read it. The details are not what we run into every day. Yet what I see is what can be common and what can be a gift to the church. We see a gifted teacher explaining the scriptures, applying it to an area of someone's life. She does it in a way that's gentle, that's honest, that's direct, that's not threatening. She's relying on Jesus's power and not her own as she uses her gift. She teaches and demonstrates what it looks like to follow Jesus out of the scriptures and out of her own life of obeying King Jesus. And this changed his life, changed potentially his eternity. In the end times, we need spirit-empowered teachers who can help us grow in the scriptures and apply them to our lives. Thank God for teachers. So that's the first gift, teaching. Second gift, should go a little bit quicker, prophecy. Now what is prophecy? I'm taking this definition straight out of one of our trainings that we do here at, at the church. That uh, says, Revelation is when God brings awareness to something. It's when he reveals something to you. Prophecy involves declaring a revelation from God. Prophecy is God bringing awareness to something, and then you share it with others in a way that results in spiritual fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and so on. Galatians 5.22. Therefore, prophecy is revelation declared in a way that results in spiritual fruit. Now, I remember this was, this was 12 years ago. I think I was, I was a fairly new Christian, and I was in a church meeting with, uh, with a bunch of people. And, uh, and there, was a, there was a man there who I was starting to get to know and kind of befriend. And he was going through some things. And so there was a time of ministry, a time of prayer that came up. And so I was just sort of like, okay, God, um, how would you like me to pray for my friend? And uh, I kind of just closed my eyes and, and just prayed and just asked God, whatever you have, I want to share with him. I want to encourage him. I want to build him up as he faces kind of a difficult moment. And, um, and as I did, I just kind of saw a picture in my mind's eye of him dressed in white. So my friend, this man I was getting to know and befriend, dressed in white. And I just shared it with him. I just said, hey, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but I saw a picture of you and you were dressed in white. And his, his eyes like kind of lit up and his, he had like this big smile on his face. And he's like, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. And then basically in the book of Revelation, those who overcome hardship as followers of Jesus are dressed in white. And it was an encouragement to him to keep going, to not compromise, to not give up, to not quit, but to trust and obey Jesus, even when it was hard, because he had in front of him this white, pure, uh, you know, his, his way of life could be pure before the Lord. He could be dressed in white in front of him as he trusted Jesus. And so for him, that strengthened him greatly. And prophecy does this. When someone prophesies over us, when they receive revelation from God and they speak it to us, 
Uh, it can be really encouraging, and that's what Paul says, for encouraging, for prophecies, for encouraging, for upbuilding, for strengthening disciples. And that's what prophecy can do. And so, uh, it, remarkably, the scriptures make it seem like now in this the New Testament, in this new age uh, that we're in, in this, this new time, let's call it, uh, of the Spirit who has been given to all of us, everyone can prophesy. Some will certainly be more, um, will have more revelation and they'll just have more experiences where they prophesy for people. Uh, but everyone can do this. So I want to encourage you when you're in your meetings, uh, when you are, whether that's in whatever capacity, I want to encourage you to be praying for the people in your community and open to the ways in which God might want to encourage someone in the community through you. And you will be amazed at what he says and what he does. Sometimes I get, I have a sense to reach out to, to someone and we're not even in a meeting. I'm just in my office. I'm just praying. And God's like, reach out to so-and-so. And I want you to encourage him with this verse of scripture, with this thought and idea. And I just say, hey, I don't know if this makes, is going to make sense to you. This is what I sense God saying. Does this resonate with you? And I have been amazed at how often, how frequently it makes sense and it opens up an opportunity for love and for care and for ministry. You can do that too. Okay, next thing, wisdom. This will be brief. Paul says that there's a, you, there's a gift of wisdom. By the way, these are all coming from different lists from the New Testament of gifts, speaking gifts. There's a use of wisdom that uh, the Holy Spirit gives us related to the declaration and explanation of Christ in culture in a way that emphasizes human wisdom. So Tim Keller in New York City, I think, has the gift of wisdom. He preaches Jesus to a cynical culture in ways that show that the human wisdom of the day has no basis for the morality that they assume. And they don't realize it. That there's lots of assumptions that people make about what people should do, but without the authority. No judge, no authority about what's right and what's wrong. He shows how Christ himself is the authority. Tim Keller does this beautifully. And that Christianity is coherent because it gives us a basis for our morality. Christ loved us and laid down his life for us so we can now lay down our lives for each other. Jesus' love is expressed through this gift of wisdom that Tim Keller has in a skeptical city in Manhattan. And this is not just for Tim Keller, this is for us today. There's people in this community that have this gift that can speak the gospel in ways that make sense to the people here in Temecula. Next, knowledge. So Paul talks about how there is a, a gift of the word of knowledge. And, and some connect the word of knowledge to uh, knowing God and his will, which I affirm. That's biblical. That's a gift. That's a good thing. However, there's others who define the word of knowledge as kind of supernatural, mystical knowledge. And I'm using that definition. And the only reason I, I kind of pick between the two is just because it's not completely clear which one is meant. Uh, obviously, I think both are in the scriptures, so I think we can talk about both. So I'm just using the word of knowledge to, to describe supernatural, mystical wisdom. Well, I have an example of how this, this can look. Uh, there's a man, his name is Sam Storms. He's a, uh, he's a doctor, he's a pastor, he's been preaching for decades, and who loves Jesus, who loves the local church. And uh, he wrote a book about the, uh, about the gifts, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he tells the story of one Sunday morning at his church when one of the elders, so he's one of the elders, one of the fellow elders, came up to him and he basically said, Sam, I need to get a mic. I feel like God put something on my heart for someone who's here. And so this man had a track record of uh, accurately sharing things from the Lord Revelation. And so Sam hands him the mic 
And this man gets up and says this. He says, the Lord impressed on my heart this morning that there's a woman present who visited her doctor about 10 days ago. The prognosis given was not encouraging. The initials SJ have some connection to this doctor. I'd like to pray for you today. You also have a son who suffers from asthma. I would like to pray for him also if you can come, if you'll come forward. Here's the thing. This, this elder that came up, he did not know who this person was. He did not know for sure that what he felt like God was revealing to him was accurate. So he took a risk, he took a step of faith, and shared it. And as it turns out, there's a woman in the church. She, hasn't, she hadn't been in the gathering for months. The reason she hadn't been in the gathering for months is because she was extremely sick. She had a very painful and extended illness that kept her away from the gatherings for months. And that morning, she told her husband, I have to go to the gathering. It doesn't matter what the pain level is, I have to go. And she ended up going to, she usually would go to the 11 o'clock services when she was able to go, she went to the nine o'clock. So she went to a different service. And she had a sense, I need to go to the nine o'clock service. So this man, this elder came up, shares this at the nine o'clock service. This woman is there, it's for her. And uh, before you know it, she's up, she's getting prayer. And then nothing happens immediately at, at first. She goes and sits down, it's kind of painful, she sits. As she's sitting there, as the gathering goes on, she starts to feel a little bit better. She goes to pick up her kids from the nursery, she feels a little bit better. By the time she walks to her car, she is healed. She feels completely normal, she's well. And then as it turns out, her son, who did have asthma, was also healed. And the SJ, that wasn't super clear, was the doctor's initials. So she had been to the doctor 10 days before. I think sometimes God gives us this gift of knowledge. And I think what it does is it, it opens up this, this faith in us to receive what he might want to give us. Uh, sometimes we are nervous about going up to get prayer because there's this natural kind of skepticism. Like, what if I don't get healed? What if God doesn't heal me? Which is understandable, normal, I get it. I feel that too. But these words of knowledge can help open us up. If God picks me out of a room with my exact, the details of my life, he knows me, he cares about me, and he wants to do something about my pain. And it just opens up this faith to receive, potentially, a healing. So word of knowledge, a very powerful gift. Last speaking gift I'm going to talk about is evangelism. Evangelists are people who proclaim and spread the good news about Jesus. And they often do it with those who are not yet Christians, but it's not limited to people who are not yet Christians. Christians need to hear the gospel proclaimed again and again and again. So it's a gift that's beautiful to the church and for those who are not yet part of the church. So, uh, sharing the gospel. I remember once, uh, this was over 10 years ago, I used to live in San Diego. I used to live across the street from the Fashion Valley Mall, which is a mall kind of in the heart of, of San Diego and Mission Valley. And uh, I lived across the street from there, so I would walk across the street to the mall to get my hair cut. And I would always get my hair cut with the same lady, Michelle. She was great. Uh, she was, from China, and I got to know her story. We'd, I'd just sit down and she'd cut my hair, and I would ask her questions about her life, and she would tell me about her, her kids, her upbringing in China, her family that was still there, so on and so forth. And we got to talking, and I just kind of shared a little bit, like, hey, I've been reading about the church in China. Do you know anybody, you know, if you don't know, the church in China has been, at, at times, significantly oppressed, has been, um, has gone through a lot of hardship, but what you see is like this kind of faithful, uh, growing church, vibrant church in China. And so I just start talking to her about that. 
And before you know it, I'm sharing the gospel with her. I'm telling her about Jesus. I'm telling her about what Jesus has done in my life. And, uh, and she becomes interested. And so every time I go, she's asking questions about Jesus. And eventually, English was her second language. She's like, I need something in Mandarin. I need something that I can understand, something that I can read in my own language. And so I start researching on the internet. I give her some resources that, as best I can tell, are they're about Jesus, and they're pointing to his love and his grace and his mercy and his salvation. And so I get her these resources, and she becomes a Christian. And she begins to share the gospel with her children, and they become a part of a church. And then they start to um, share the gospel with their family. And here's the thing. I'm not typically an evangelist. I think God granted me sort of a special uh, endowment for Michelle to come to faith. I, I just am t- typically not sharing the gospel like all the time, like an evangelist might. I mention this to say that I don't think we need to pigeonhole ourselves. We can operate in different gifts at different times based on the ministry needs of the people in front of us. But we don't need to run out and find an evangelist to come and share the gospel with our friends uh, or even bring people to church, although those are good things. Sometimes if you're the person there, you're the one to share the gospel. God might equip you and gift you in that moment to be the one to share the gospel with them. And, and that could be true of all, any and all of the speaking gifts. There might be a time when you can be the person who opens up the scriptures and shares something that encourages someone. Or that you pray and there's prophetic revelation or there's words of knowledge. It, we don't need to be pigeonholed. We can operate. Certainly we're going to have our sweet spots and our strengths. But, uh, but we might operate in a variety of gifts at different times. There are a lot of speaking gifts. I've covered a very small sample. I didn't even mention the gift of encouragement, uh, which uh, I've, mentioned, I've talked about it before. I think it's one of the most important gifts that we can have. Uh, as a society, as a people, I think we are, I heard somebody say this, we are overwhelmed and under-encouraged. And so we need people with the gift of encouragement, and we have people who have the gift of encouragement in our church, and we need that often. People need to be reminded of what's true of them in Jesus. People need to be reminded of what God is doing in their life. And we can do that. It's a speaking gift. I actually preached the whole message on it. If you want to hear it, if you want to go deeper into that, November 11th, 2019, the message is called Go to War. I dive into that in a whole lot more detail than I can right now. So lots of speaking gifts. They're all unique because we are all different. So even that one person who's a teacher might sound different than someone else who's a teacher. Different gifts look different. The same gift could look different with different people. So um, the last thing I want to say about this before I dive into the serving gifts, which will go faster, is that it's important for us to remember that gifted people are at different stages of maturity within their gifting. So going back again 10 years, I was in my very first men's group, and I was interested in the Bible. And I got a chance to do something that I thought was so cool. I got to teach the introduction of our Bible study into the book of Galatians. And I spent hours prepping. And I spent hours reading, studying. And I showed up that first day brimming with excitement. And I had an easel and, uh, and, uh, and a pad. And I just furiously just start writing notes uh, about the book of Galatians. And I start talking and I get going. And I start talking about biblical history and the covenants and theology and all this other stuff. And by the time I'm done, I look out and my friends, my brothers, uh, some of them have blank stares. Uh, and here's what I think happened. I, I had a sort of an emerging but very undeveloped teaching gift. I didn't understand that to help my brothers, I actually had to take that information and present it to someone who hadn't been chewing on it for hours and hours and hours in a way that they could understand. 
in a way that made sense to them. I didn't quite do that. I didn't understand. I didn't know. But the men, here's the key, the men were so gracious. They were so gracious. They encouraged me. Uh, some of them said, it's clear that you have a passion for this. Keep going. Uh, some of them, you know, there's one guy, I'll never forget, he actually encouraged me. That he said, I think you're going to do this with your life. And sure enough, this is 10 years later, here I am, I'm recording this. Uh, these guys, it was an, I had an immature gift. By the way, it's still maturing. I'm not saying that I've arrived. Still have a lot to learn. Uh, the amount of time I've spent talking about these first few speaking gifts shows you that I still have a lot to learn about what it means to be a concise uh, communicator. Nevertheless, their response is what I needed to keep going. They were gracious, they were kind, they were encouraging. And we can do that for one another. The, the church is the family of God. It's a safe place to learn. We're gonna make mistakes and we can keep actually growing in our gifting. Very much in the same way that my kids are learning how to ride a bike right now. They have training wheels. Once we take those training wheels off, they're going to start to fall. They're going to start to scrape their knees. Uh, in fact, they already have, even with training wheels on. And what do we do? As a family, we pick them up, we clean up their wounds uh, as needed, and we tell them to keep going. And we encourage them and we help them. That's what it could look like as the family of God. That's how we can use, the, use these gifts in a family in a way that pleases the Father, the Father who is patient, the Father who is kind, the Father who is generous with his children and gives them gifts. That was a sampler of speaking gifts. Now, serving gifts. I want to quickly look at three of the many possibilities that we have. Number one, administration. And again, these are all coming from lists from uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. These are all gifts that are listed in the New Testament. Administration. The word that we translate as administration is a unique term that refers to a shipmaster or a captain, and I'm quoting. The literal meaning is to steer or to rule or to govern. It carries the idea of someone who guides and directs a group of people towards a goal or a destination. With this gift, the Holy Spirit enables certain Christians to organize, direct, and implement plans to lead others in the various ministries of the church. We need people who are good with schedules, who are good with spreadsheets, who are good at organizing, who are good at getting people on the same page, who are good at communicating, who are good at helping us to get where we're going. We need this in the children's ministry, in hospitality, in the environment, every ministry of the church. Administration is a huge, huge gift that is necessary in every church, in every household, every family needs this, and the family of God is absolutely no different. Administration, hugely important gift. Second, healing. There are different types of healing gifts. I believe this is, uh, this is one of the serving gifts in the New Testament. So this is a quote. This gift is given to the person whom God uses to restore someone. The Greek term here, it can be used both to refer to physical healing and, and spiritual restoration. So the basic meaning has to do with restoring someone to health or to their well-being or reconciling them to God. And this is a beautiful gift that I have experienced personally and uh, before the pandemic broke out, we were, I woke up one Sunday morning and I felt awful. I could barely move. I had thrown up my back earlier that week. And, um, and I don't, I obviously love being at the gatherings. I, I, I don't miss unless I can't be there. And that morning I thought I cannot go to the gathering. I can barely stand up. My back is all locked up. Walking down the stairs was excruciatingly painful for me. I didn't think I was going to make it. And so I ended up kind of pushing through. I got myself in the car. I made it to the gathering and I was in pain. We were walking up the stairs at Margarita, Margarita Middle and I see Jen, uh, who's, she's a part of, of our gospel community. You know, and we kind of just quickly talk and I think I told her I'm not feeling great. I go in and uh, start talking to people. 
can kind of see that something's wrong with me and I received prayer from people, which I felt loved, uh, but I didn't get better right away. And so after the gathering, which was painful to get through, I was walking around and, um, and so Jen comes back up to me and, and she says that she had a dream about me the night before. And as she explained the dream, I was doing like gymnastics uh, from the front. I was preaching and kind of doing gymnastics off high bars or whatever. And um, it, it, that sort of felt like I was, you know, I was, I was doing gymnastics just to stand up and be there. And I felt like it was almost impossible just to get up and talk in front of people. And so as it turns out, also, she not only had a dream about me, she also felt like this, this kind of sensation of burning when she saw me. And, and it really felt like it had to do with like healing. Like I'm in pain and God wanted to heal me. And so long story short, she prayed for me. I don't even remember what she prayed. I don't think it mattered. I think I was, I had a, a meeting with God through her. And so she prayed for me and I felt better. By the time I got home, I was doing this and I was like bending down and touching my toes and I was jumping and I recorded it and I sent it to my gospel community. And I was like, can you guys believe this? I'm well. I could barely walk and get out of bed and now I'm well. And here's the beautiful thing about the healing gift. It shows us God's compassion and his care for his people. It's a beautiful gift. And it's one that I have benefited from. And there are gifts of healing in our church. And some of you, God has called you to pray with greater effectiveness uh, to see people healed, to see people restored. That is an absolutely beautiful serving gift that I have personally experienced through this church community. Last one, leadership. The gift of administration, let's just say that the gift of administration has to do with leading and guiding ministries. So the gift of leadership, I'm using it in the sense to describe caring for people. And so here's a definition that I found that I thought was helpful. This is to lead, to assist, and to protect and care for others. The spiritual gift of leadership is found in Romans 12, verse 8, sandwiched between the gifts of giving and mercy. It's placed there intentionally to show that it is a gift associated with caring for others. GC leaders, I want to honor you. I want to take a moment to honor you because GC leaders are a great expression, a wonderful demonstration, a great example of this, of caring for people. GC leaders are on the front lines of loving, caring for people. It is not easy work. It is hard work. And oftentimes we don't know how hard it is other than being in it and understanding and carrying the weight of, of the well-being of the people in our community, knowing that marriages are going through hard times, knowing that people are struggling financially, knowing that people are struggling with their faith, knowing that people are struggling with X, Y, or Z. It's hard work. And it is, there's a reason why uh, when when the New Testament talks about the, uh, the leading, the leadership gift, it says to lead with diligence. Because it's easy <laughs> to want to pull back, to, to quit. It's hard. GC leaders are heroes very much in our church. And so I just want to tell you, GC leaders, all of you, love you and appreciate you and apprentices as well. We're going to especially honor you. These are just three gifts. There are so many more, again, that we can't capture here. I want to take a minute to honor the man behind the camera, Sam, who has been using his gifts, his time uh, to help put on. He's serving the church by recording these messages, by editing them so that we can then share them with you. It's that sort of love and, and intentionality with our gifts that really does benefit and bless the church in this time. And so I want to honor him and then all of you who have used your gifts to serve and build up the body. It's beautiful. Now, uh, there's a couple of things that I, I, I want to mention because using your gifts can become 
hard. We can get tired. And uh, I think part of this gift of using our gifts, of leading people, of serving, of organizing, of participating in GC, of preaching messages, praying fervently, there's like wins, but there's also lots of challenges. Marriages will suffer and hurt. There's going to be kids who struggle. Some will wander in the faith. Others will go through terrible seasons of loss and experience confusion and so on. There's always more to do, is what I'm trying to say. When you use these gifts, there's always more to do, and that can be tiring. And I love this quote from Mr. Incredible. Uh, he says, uh, no matter how many times you save the world, it always manages to get back in jeopardy again. Sometimes I just want to stay saved, you know, just for a little bit. I feel like the maid. I just cleaned up this mess. Can we keep it clean for 10 minutes? And if you spend any amount of time using your gifts intentionally, you're going to have that moment at some point. No matter how many wins you have, there's always going to be more. There's always going to be more needs. There's always going to be more to do. There's good news. We are living in the end times, which means we are heading towards the return of Christ, who will make everything new. Even though our work in this life will always remain incomplete, to some degree, he will complete the work one day. We play an important role today, but the weight of the world is not on our shoulders. The weight of the world is on Jesus' shoulders. He will complete the work. He will do it. He will do what we can't do. Even Jesus left things undone in his earthly life. I want you to chew on that and think about that. There are certain things that we can say no to, and that's okay. He'll complete the work. He's the one, not us. But he's pleased to work through us to benefit people. So there's that tension of using our gifts and blessing others, but also not thinking that everything's on our shoulders, thinking that we have to be Jesus. That's the first bit of good news. Even though our work is not done in this life, Jesus will finish it. The second bit of good news is that as we're using our gifts, we do not have to operate in our own strength. And in, these, in this text, we see that Jesus has given us his spirit to empower us to do the work. So we trust and rely on him, not ourselves. We follow his lead. We remember that our identity is not tied up in these gifts. Rather, our identity is tied up in the one to whom the gifts point to, Jesus. So you are not we don't have to build an identity, and also everybody gets to play and no one is forgotten. Everybody gets a gift. So you're not sitting on the bench, you're not forgotten, you're not neglected. The weight of the world is not on your shoulders and you're also not uh, you know, a role player. You have an important, by role player I mean you're not like an extra, like you have a main role to play. And he has given you the gifts and he is with you. So I wanna finish by encouraging you to pray and ask Jesus to show you how he wants you to use your gifts in this coming season. I want you to, to, to do business with him. Some of you may need to acknowledge that you've built an identity around these gifts. Uh, others of you may need to acknowledge that you are fearful that you are not gifted or that you are forgotten. Some of you may need to acknowledge to him that you have been envious of the gifts of other people. And some of you may just need to come to him and say, I'm unaware of what my gifts even are. Please help me. Please tell me. As we see the end approaching, let's remember that he's with us that he is going to complete the work, that he has given us these gifts as grace. These are called grace gifts, actually, in the Greek, grace gifts. They're a part of salvation. They're a part of our equipping to do, uh, to, to rise to the moment as the evil closes in these end times. This is all a part of his gift to us so we can use it in his strength, not our own, to finish, not, we don't finish, so that he's gonna finish the work, but we can finish our race and we can complete our part in this life. 
would not feel like everything is on our shoulders. You have a part to play in the family business, and, uh, and we love you, and I can't wait to kind of come out of this season and, and see the church flourishing using the gifts that you have for the benefit of others to the glory of Jesus.